The scripture reading is taken from three portions in the book of Proverbs. And I thought this afternoon we are going to do it a bit different. We're going to do this reading Chinese style. Uh, in China, it's customary that when the scriptures are read, the whole congregation reads the scripture. Now, I realize this takes a bit of getting used to, and before you're all into sync, and I'm sure you can master it. So let's, uh, you can follow me, and we'll sing, say together, first of all, Proverbs 10, then Proverbs 20, and then the Proverbs 30. So the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes a father sad, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. The terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his life. It's an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. The sluggard doesn't ope oh, in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. I passed by a field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. Thus far, then we'll turn to our text, which this afternoon is taken from Proverbs chapter 6. And I'll take over for a second there and read that. So Proverbs chapter 6, the verses 6 to 11, Go to the ant of sluggard, consider his ways, and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to our hearts and lives. And after the proclamation of the gospel, let's sing together from hymn 76, the stanzas 1, 2, 3, and 4. Our beloved congregation of our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ, this is Labor Day weekend, which means that tomorrow is Labor Day. And of course, for most of you, that means it's just another holiday. Perhaps the last holiday of the summer of 2021. But getting back to that holiday business for a moment, it's called Labor Day. And do you know what this means? Well, it means that tomorrow, even though we have a day off, we're supposed to think about work. Labor Day is supposed to be a special day on the annual calendar in which we reflect upon the nature, the meaning, the significance, the character of our daily work. And some will say we're even supposed to celebrate this. 
You know, historically, this particular day can be traced back in Canada to around the 1870s, 1880s. If you happen to have been living in that period of time, and I don't think any of you were, you'll understand that all of North America was in great labor unrest in those days. Protests, strikes, lockouts, arrests, confrontations were the order of the day as workers sought to obtain new rights and new opportunities. And you know, in Canada, to the north, it wasn't any different. In 1872, there was a printer's strike in Toronto in which laborers demanded that they be allowed to work only 54 hours a week. Imagine that. Well, the authorities quickly set in to stop the revolt, and it turned ugly. Because all labor activity in those days was considered to be illegal, and the organizers of this particular strike were soon jailed. Well, in the end, it was Sir John A. Macdonald, who's getting a lot of negative press today because of native rights, but it was Sir John A. Macdonald who was forced to step in, and he ultimately had the anti-union laws repealed, and he also made sure that the union organizers were released. And from then on, you can almost say the power of the working man began to increase throughout the 1880s until both in the United States as well as in Canada, a special day was set aside the first month of the month of September of every year to commemorate Labor Day. Now, of course, you might wonder why in the world is the pastor going on about Labor Day? That's tomorrow. This is Sunday. What does that all have to do with worship? What does it have to do with the Christian faith? Well, it has everything, if you think of it, to do with it because this whole matter of work, which we're thinking about this weekend, receives a lot of biblical attention as well. This is not just some kind of remote secular topic. This is not something that somehow, in one way or another, off limits to the Christian faith. No, our God has something. As a matter of fact, he has a lot of things to say about labor, about work. When you look at the scriptures in general, and especially when, as we have done this afternoon, you look at the book of Proverbs in particular, what you see that is that our God is very much concerned about our daily work. In other words, He's not just concerned about what you do on Sunday, but also what you do on Monday. Not just what you do in your free time or after your work time, but also during your work and in your work. So I would say in preparation for tomorrow, I would like to preach to you on the following theme. The theme is, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Now, you might notice that the wording of the ESV is a bit different. It's something about going to the ants, you sluggard. And my theme is taken from the NLT, the New Living Translation, which I think is accurate as well, maybe a bit more understandable for most of you. So take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. So we'll reflect upon that. What does it mean? What does it entail? 
Well, you might say, beloved, our, our text, I'm not sure you've ever heard a sermon on this particular text. Most people would consider it to be rather unusual. After all, this is a sermon that speaks about ants. And who in the world ever thinks about ants today? When's the last time you thought about ants? Now, we all know what they are, right? They're those little brown or black creatures that scurry around and sometimes all over the place. And, of course, they're not only little and black and somewhat creepy. We pretty well ignore them. I'm sure the children here, even though adults ignore them, the children here may be a bit more fascinated with them. But you know, these, these ants can, of course, in time become a nuisance. When they become a bit too numerous in our homes, we, we hightail it off to Canadian Tire or Home Depot and we buy this special stuff. There's lots of special stuff for ants. Uh, you can kill and murder them. And you buy it and you take it home and you apply it liberally and you hope they'll soon be gone from inside of your house. And in your yard, you might leave them alone unless they start to concentrate on one particular area and make a mess of things. And then again, you have to take action. And so we say to ourselves, well, ants, sure, but who needs ants? Who thinks about ants? Well, look at our text. Our text would say that we, you and I, we, we do need to think about ants. Or to say it very clearly, it's obvious that Mr. Sluggard somehow needs ants, Mr. Lazybones. Now, again, there's an interesting character, this Mr. Sluggard or this Mr. Lazybones. You know, I think here in British Columbia, we have an advantage because you and I know what slugs are like, right? And kids know what slugs are right. If you ask somebody from Ontario, they look at you and kind of say, what in the world is a slug? They don't understand. But we know. There are those black, slimy, little, sometimes larger creatures that creep around in your garden and they tend to eat all your best flowers. And you get kind of frustrated and you wonder, how do I get rid of them? And you go buy slug bait and you kill them off. And you think they have absolutely no use whatsoever although that might be surprising. And, and so we, we know not only something a little bit about ants, we all know something about slugs or sluggards. But of course, when Proverbs is speaking about sluggards, it's not talking about people, or it's talking about people, right? Not animals. It's talking about people who are kind of slow, lazy. They only come out at night. They don't seem to do anything positive. Well, all of that describes a certain person. So here in our text, we have then ants and we have sluggards. Two types of unusual characters. But the question is, why do we have them? Why does God hold out for us ants and sluggards in this part of Scripture? Well, God wants to teach us something. For actually, these two creatures have everything to do with a certain subject, and that certain subject is about work, toil, labor, if you will. 
And by using them, the author of Proverbs, led by the Spirit, is trying to show us how we should work and how we should not work. And deeper yet, he wants us to know how God wants us to work. So what does God want to teach us? I think the first thing that God wants to teach us in this passage, as well as other passages in Proverbs, is that he is himself a worker. You know, you go back to the very beginning of time, creation opens in Genesis 1, and and what do you see? You see God at work every single day, day after day. He creates the heavens and the earth. He creates the land and the sea, the sky and the ground, the trees and the mountains and the animals and the birds and the beasts and man. You know, in Genesis 1, God does a lot of work. None of us would ever be able to compare to this. We could never be this productive. But our God is. But you know, he's not just a worker way back in Genesis 1. God is a worker still. We forget that sometimes. But you know, the Lord Jesus says very clearly in John 5, verse 17, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. But if you ask, what is God the Father doing today? I would say to you, he's still doing the work of creation, and he's surely doing the work of preservation. What do you think keeps this world going? Day after day, week after week, month after month. And then there's that that mind-boggling work of salvation of gathering, saving, calling to himself a people through his son, Jesus Christ. And closely connected to all of that is the work of restraining, restraining sin and evil and corruption in this world so that the church of Jesus Christ may still be built and the kingdom of God will ultimately come. says the Lord Jesus says God is still working today he's the ultimate worker and as Jesus adds so am I Jesus Christ is also working right now we believe as we have confessed that he's seated on the right hand of God the Father and he's not just sleeping there in that particular position and place no he's working working on the same things the same goals the same ends as the father your father and my ultimate father and the holy spirit by the way is a working as well but then beloved if if god is the great worker if the triune god is always at work. There's a second thing we also need to keep in mind, and that is God makes and calls man, male and female, to work as well. 
You know, you might consider Adam before the fall. Some people think that Adam really didn't do anything before the fall. He was on a perpetual holiday or sabbatical, but that's nonsense. If you read the scriptures, it says he, he's told to rule over the fish, the birds of the air, the livestock, over all creatures. He's told to be fruitful and to increase. He's to subdue the earth. In short, Adam has his work cut out for him. God didn't make him and then tell him to go lie on a beach somewhere and get a suntan. God made him and told him to rule. But you know, if Adam had to work before the fall, he also had to work after the fall. And the change is not from no work at all in the Garden of Eden to lots of work after the Garden of Eden. No, the change is from working, you might say, under ideal circumstances and conditions to working under very adverse ones. And there's one particular biblical word that kind of sums up the difference. And you know what that word is? That's the word sweat. Sweat. I hazard to guess that Adam in the garden never sweat. We can debate that later on. But after, he sweat a lot. And why did he sweat? Because work became hard, it became difficult, it became treacherous, unpredictable. Adam worked. And how? Yes, and Adam is one to remind us, beloved, that working also has everything to do with living. Man was made to work. Work was there before the fall, after the fall. Why? I would even dare to say that work is forever. If you think that in the afterlife, that basically means no work. If, if you think that the life hereafter is going to be a perpetual Caribbean cruise or a never-ending fishing trip, I think you're going to be disappointed, at least looking at it from this side. Of course, you'll ask me, what are we supposed to make then of retirement? Well, biblically speaking, there is no such thing. The Bible doesn't really know about retirement. I know the Levites had to retire at the age of 40, and, but then they had to do other things. Because retirement without work, you know what that is? That's a death sentence. I can give you names of countless people who couldn't wait to retire and then do absolutely nothing. And most of them were dead before the year was out, especially men, not women. Women are the stronger sex. But most of them were dead. They couldn't adjust. They caught all kinds of maladies and illnesses. It didn't last. So what are we supposed to think? I think we're supposed to think of the future as a, a totally different kind of work. 
voluntary, pleasurable, kingdom work, charity work. That's the kind of thing I think we should do when we retire. It's a bit like what I do, I guess. I don't know why I'm here all, every Sunday or somewhere else. But anyway, that's the kind of work. Keep busy. Keep using your gifts and your talents and your abilities in one way or another. Take the stress out of it. Enjoy it in preparation for even greater enjoyment to come. And so I would say to you this afternoon, Labor Day is a good day to reflect on our work, the work we do every day, and to thank God for the fact that He is still working as well. But you know, beloved, Labor Day is also a good time to take stock, to take measure of how well and why we work. You know, if you look at our text again, what do you see? You see ants, as I mentioned earlier, and you see a sluggard. But there's something else there. You also need to see a command. And the command is addressed to the sluggard. And the command is this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. So why does a sluggard, a lazy bones, have to go to the ant? Well, he has to go to the ant to learn how to work. For the command continues, consider its ways and be wise. And when he considers the ant, what does he see? It has no commander, no overseer, or ruler, no boss, no supervisor, no one looking over his shoulders and telling him what to do. And in spite of that, it stores up its provisions in summer and gathers it food for harvest. In short, the ant works. It works no matter what. It works with drive and with purpose. And as for the sluggard, he's told to learn all this. But what does he do? He doesn't work. And if he does work, he does as little as humanly speaking possible. His motto is literally, no sweat. His strategy is to avoid work like the plague. He'll gladly play video games all day and night, but not work. He expects the maximum amount of, of money for the most least amount of weight, labor. And his eyes always on the clock, and he can't wait. And how many people like that do you know? They can't wait till Friday. Payday. Freedom Day. So they can use Saturday and Sunday to party, to do their thing, to do virtually nothing. So aptly, this man is called the sluggard. And you know, sometimes in the eyes of the world in which we live, this man these days is even presented as some kind of hero or role model. You should live your life like the sluggard. The most pay, 
for the most and smallest amount of energy and effort. Well, beloved, if that's popular today, I'm saying to you this afternoon, that's not what God wants. That's not what the Scriptures are teaching us every day. That His kind of lifestyle is everything that God despises and rejects. And it's good for us to remember that. Today's Sunday, tomorrow's Monday. Tomorrow's a holiday, as we said, a day of relaxation. But then Tuesday comes along, and what then? What do you do on Tuesday? How do you do your work? Not your neighbor. How do you do your work? Do you do it with all your ability? Do you give your employer a full effort? Do you give a full day's work for a full day's pay? Do you work diligently, honestly, professionally? Are those the kind of things that characterize our life? And that applies not just to those who are working from 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning to 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. But you know what? This applies to all of us. You mothers at home, what about your work? How do you do it? Or is it coffee time all day and the soaps all afternoon and nothing much gets done? And you students who are going to be starting up again on Tuesday, what about you? Back to school. How will you approach it all? Will you be looking simply for mere passing grades? You know, why should I aim for an A or a B when a C or maybe even a D will do? Minimum effort. As long as I get by and get a diploma, who cares? Or maybe you'll treat it as a glossal waste of time and say, school is... Not for learning, school is for socializing. We need to consider these things. As we'll see, if you want to build a life and a future, you've got to start young, not old, young. So you can say, in a way, this text throws out a challenge and a question to all of us. What does your life today look like? Do you resemble, not physically, but do you resemble an ant? Or do you resemble a sluggard? Are you an ant who scurries around, or are you a slug that can barely crawl out of bed? Are you an ant that builds and produces, or are you a slug that ultimately only consumes and destroys? What's the nature of your life? So there's a question here, but you know, in that question, there, there's also, you could say, a challenge. 
And the challenge is, is one of transformation. If you are a slug, Scripture says, you can become an ant. I know physically speaking, that's not much of a prospect, but you know what I'm getting at, right? If you're a slug, you can become an ant. What I'm saying is our lives, thanks to the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, can be transformed. The Father has created us. God the Son recreates us. God the Spirit renews us. The triune God has that ability to really change our lives. And we need to avail ourselves of that opportunity. Because it will make our lives meaningful and productive and relevant and powerful and abundant. And indeed, only by living out of the power of the Lord and the grace of the triune God can this happen. But look at what happens if we continue down the road with the sluggard. If you look at Scripture, it all leads to what? Boredom, laziness, listlessness, and poverty. Our text says it well. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. The life of the sluggard, in other words, is the perfect recipe of poverty. Now, I know care needs to be exercised here. Poverty is not always due to laziness. Indeed, poverty can have a host of different causes and reasons. But nevertheless, the fact still remains that laziness is one of the prime causes of poverty. Proverbs 10, lazy hands make a man poor. Proverbs 13, the sluggard craves and gets nothing. Proverbs 20, a sluggard doesn't plow in season, so at harvest time he looks but finds nothing. Proverbs 24 repeats the words of our text. So you see, the message is very clear and consistent. Adopt the ways of the sluggard, Poverty, poverty will be yours. But at the same time, we shouldn't just confine ourselves to poverty. For really the ways of the sluggard lead to an empty, unproductive, and wasted life. And do you know how many wasted lives there are today as you look around in the world at large? So many people don't bother to develop their talents, their abilities. So many people lack any sense of fulfillment or purpose or drive or enthusiasm. They're lacking in happiness, security. All they know is a wasted life, a lost opportunity, bitter fruit and hard going. 
is, and I dare say, our God. And that's why these words are in Scripture, would spare you and I of that. And therefore, this instruction in the book of Proverbs, as well as in the rest of Scripture, our Father knows what we need. He needs to spend our time not in laziness, but working productively in this world for His church, for the kingdom of His Son. And so the urging of our text is ultimately, beloved, be wise. As it says in chapter 1, these proverbs are for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. The sluggard is unwise. The ant is wise. The sluggard has nothing. And the ant has plenty. So, beloved, as we approach another Labor Day, let us remember this. Who of us, as I mentioned, hasn't met men and women whose lives have become a wasteland because they despise God's wisdom. We have so many people today who think they know better than God. They're somehow brighter, more insightful, more understanding, more knowledgeable. And I say to you, nonsense. That's a delusion. Listen to the words of Scripture. Listen to the words of your teachers. Listen to the words of your parents. Of those who know what this life is all about in the service of God. And you'll be blessed. And so let us do our work. Take our lesson like the ants. From the ants. And not be sluggards but faithful laborers in the kingdom of our God. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come to you this afternoon and we thank you for reminding us. In a way, Father, these teachings of Proverbs are rather simple. But even though they may be simple, doesn't always make them easy. And so we pray, Lord, teach us to hear these words and to heed these words and to shape our lives and hearts according to these words. May we be your people, the people who rejoice in what you have given to them in terms of talents and abilities. May we use them. Use them to the honor and glory of your name and use them to the well-being of others. Lord, grant that our labors may bear fruit in your service. In Jesus Christ we pray.